The life of those who are faithful to you, O Lord, is but changed, not ended. And when their earthly dwelling place decays, an everlasting mansion stands, prepared for them in heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You might find it strange that I should begin the sermon on this Feast of St. Benedict by quoting the preface of the Mass of the Dead. But, in effect, this preface of the Mass of the Dead wonderfully expresses the mystery and the grace of today's feast. It is the feast of what we call the transitus of St. Benedict, commemorating his death. Transitus means passing over. It means passage or change. A change, not an end, such is the Christian perspective of death. Here, every evening after Compline, we sing a special antiphon that commemorates the transitus of St. Benedict. According to tradition, St. Benedict died on Maundy Thursday, the very day of the institution of the Most Holy Eucharist. And he died a wonderfully Eucharistic death. St. Gregory the Great recounts that St. Benedict knew ahead of time the hour of his passing, and so went to the church of Monte Cassino, and there, sustained by two younger monks, he received the body and blood of Christ. And Abbot Schuster would have us see that during the post-communion prayer, St. Benedict raised his hands heavenward and raised his eyes, just as Jesus raised his eyes to heaven on the night before he suffered, just as the priest in every Holy Mass is directed to raise his eyes heavenward, thus becoming in some way an icon of Christ at the mystical supper. Abbot Schuster would have us understand that in this gesture, if not in his very words, St. Benedict was renewing his monastic profession. Because those of, you, those of you who have been here at Silver Stream to see the profession of a monk knows that the key moment, the operative moment takes place, not really when the monks uh, pronounce their vows of obedience and stability and conversion of manners, but rather when the monk, standing before the altar, raises his hands heavenward and sings out, Take thou me to thyself, O Lord, even as thou hast promised. Let me not be disappointed in my hope. Take thou me 
to thyself, O Lord. Sushibe me, Domine, secundum eloquium tuum, even as thou hast promised. This would give us insight into the transitus of Saint Benedict. Death is the great change, but every change in life, even the smallest, most insignificant changes, are in some way a preparation for death. This is perhaps one of the reasons why we are so resistant to change, even to little changes. We become very attached to our routines. Every change, every detachment, every relocation is a portent of death. We respond to change, not always consciously, with fear because we fear death. In the Christian perspective, change is the price of life. There's a striking series of connections or a kind of golden thread that runs through these three, I like to call them patriarchal feasts of the month of March. Saint Patrick on the 17th, Saint Joseph on the 19th, and today our Holy Father, Benedict. And this because we see in the life of Saint Benedict, as in the life of Saint Patrick, as in the life of Saint Joseph, a series of uprootings, of great changes, of detachments. God called each of these great patriarchs out of what was cherished and familiar and secure into the unknown. In St. Joseph, we see a man called to changes that really uprooted his life, changes that obliged him to obey angels and to journey by night, changes that involved insecurity and risk, changes that called him to the triumph of faith over fear. <laughs> One need only think of the anxiety and uncertainty provoked by the flight into Egypt. And did we not hear on the Feast of St. Patrick in the introit the words of God addressed to Patrick, Leave thy land and thy father's house and go forth into the land that I will show thee. In celebrating our father, St. Benedict, we see a man marked, as were Saints Patrick and Joseph, by a succession of uprootings and changes. First, from the life of a student in Rome to that of a solitary in the Sacro Speco, that cave at Subiaco, and then from a life of solitude to an astonishingly fruitful fatherhood, and 
then from his dear monastery of Subiaco to Monte Cassino. And at Monte Cassino came the final change, the final Passover, the transitus. Our blessed Father Benedict prepared all his life for death. Death is not improvised. We are every day practicing to die. And this he did by a radical openness to change in obedience to the Holy Ghost. In the Holy Rule, St. Benedict enjoins us to keep death daily before our eyes. The measure of our preparedness for death is the measure of our openness to change, or if you prefer, to our degree of detachment. Detachment is secured through obedience. And for St. Benedict, obedience to tradition is the highest form of wisdom. And this because tradition, incarnated in signs and inherited customs and in countercultural daily practices, because tradition distills for us the wisdom of the cross. The Apostle says, the word of the cross is folly for those who are perishing, but for us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross shines forth. How fitting it is that we should be keeping this Feast of St. Benedict in Passion Week, in Passion Week. The cross shines forth as the sign of the change accepted by Christ when having received the vinegar, he said, it is consummated. And bowing his head, gave up his spirit. How significant it is that in chapter 7 of the Holy Rule, in the 12th degree of humility, St. Benedict should make this bowing of the head, the quasi-sacramental expression of the monk's configuration to the crucified Jesus. The cross is the place of the transitus, the Passover of Christ, into which all our little daily uprootings, changes, detachments, relocations, and Passovers are assumed, and by which they are transformed. With the exception of two of our brothers here, all of us left our homeland to begin monastic life at Silver Stream. One coming from very far away indeed. We were all called to begin our monastic life with this great act of faith, leaving behind what is familiar and cherished and dear 
and secure, crossing the ocean to come to a place far away, there to meet and to ascend to the cross. The Benedictine vow of stability, rootedness, is paradoxically in function of change. Its end is not so much to lock us up in one geographical place as it is to facilitate our daily perseverance in passing over in the transitus that moves us out of what is old into what is new, out of darkness into light, out of death into life, out of tears into joy. The vow that we call conversion of manners is a commitment to continuous change at the level where change is most difficult, the level of the heart. It is, I suppose, a fearful thing to vow oneself to conversion, to a relentless change of heart. It means greeting each new day with a willingness to let go, to pass over, to cross new thresholds, to leave things behind, and to go forward like Abraham, like Patrick, like Joseph, like Benedict, into the unknown land, into the uncharted territory prepared for us by God. The fact that tradition places the death of St. Benedict on Holy Thursday suggests that the meaning of St. Benedict's death may be found in the 17th chapter of St. John's Gospel, in the priestly prayer of our Lord. I'm often struck by this. Surely St. Benedict, who knew the day and the hour of his death, we are told, would have prepared himself for death by opening the Gospels. And I think by opening the fourth Gospel to the 17th chapter of St. John, the prayer of Jesus' own transitus to the Father. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Would this not have been St. Benedict's prayer? The very prayer of Jesus become the prayer of Benedict, or if you will, the prayer of Jesus in Benedict, the prayer of Benedict in Jesus. On the sixth day, St. Gregory says, Benedict had himself carried to the oratory by his disciples. He was, it would seem, too weak to walk. And there he received the body and blood of the Lord to make ready his departure. 
Then, resting his weakened members on the arms of his disciples, he stood up. This is, this is a remarkable little detail in St. Gregory's account. He was too weak to walk to the oratory for Holy Mass. But once he got there and received the body and blood of Christ, he stood up. He stood up and with arms raised heavenward, prayed, as I would want to believe, take thou me to thyself, O Lord, even as thou hast promised. St. Gregory's description of St. Benedict's death is entirely Eucharistic. Look closely at it. It takes place in the oratory of the monastery before the altar of the Holy Sacrifice, like a monastic profession, as I said. St. Benedict receives the body and blood of the Lord. This is his viaticum, nourishment for the last journey, sustenance for the Passover. And standing before the altar with his hands raised heavenward, receive me, take thou me to thyself, Father. This is also the gesture of the priest making the holy oblation at the altar. It evokes the arms spread wide of the crucified Lord. St. Gregory wants us to understand that in death, Holy Father Benedict is utterly conformed to the crucified Jesus and to Jesus in the holy sacrifice of the Mass, the pure victim, the holy victim, the spotless victim. For us, every participation in the holy sacrifice of the Mass is an Amen to the transitus of Christ, through the cross to the resurrection, and an Amen in anticipation of the transitus that awaits each of us at the hour of our death, the hour willed by God. In the meantime, the sacred body and precious blood of Christ strengthen us for all the little changes, for the relocations, and for the costly detachments by which the Holy Ghost brings about our conversion and our configuration to Christ Jesus. And this from day to day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.